You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Shirk, and I got a treat for us today. I'm sitting here in my basement uh, with some of my hunting partners here from this past weekend on our successful turkey hunt. I'm sitting here with my cousins, uh, Jacob and Josh Mangel. Guys, thanks for uh, thanks for, for coming over. Uh, how, how you been? What's going on? Yeah, well, thanks for having us, Mitch. We're real busy in the working space, but it's nice to get away to turkey camp on the weekend. Yeah, you better believe that. <laughs> I was looking forward to that for a long time. You and me both. I had that date marked on the calendar for quite some time. Well, the, the funny part about it was, so... Like, we all went up to my camp for muzzleloader season. Right. We were up, the, I think it was the last weekend of state statewide is when we did mm-hmm. did our, our group hunt at camp with the Flintlocks. And uh, I, I think it was like, so we would have went home Sunday. And Tuesday, Jake texts me, hey, I'm just getting head count for opening weekend of turkey season. We're going to have a group of guys go to camp. I'm like... Dude, oh, yeah. I barely got off of the camp hunt at deer season, and you're already worried about. Tur- I don't. My mind doesn't work like that. I don't think about turkeys that quick. Like once it's here, I think about turkeys. But you guys have been texting <laughs> me jacked about that for so long. Well, w- what added to that was we we really got into turkey sign in deer rifle mm. season and bear rifle season. So we we kind of were already getting excited about it then. Almost not necessarily planning camp, but. We had an idea where there was a good flock of turkeys to try to get into. Yeah, and that's an area that you were uh, pretty pretty adamant about learning more, not just from the turkey end of things, but also because it has your peaked interest for this fall too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Exactly. I mean, there's the the country up there is so big, so you got to do everything in your power to make s- such a big area just a little bit smaller. And the more time we spend up there, the smaller and smaller it gets. 
And to what Jake said this past hunting season, deer season, we really got into some turkey sign. We both saw flocks mm-hmm. while we were deer hunting. And um, not that we never saw a sign before, but it was it was just at that amount that I started thinking about it. And, oh, absolutely, just like Jake. I mean, that's that's where my head's going. Last day of deer season, then I'm thinking turkey. No, I, I used to be like that. I, I talked about it before, like – I think it was when I didn't have as much busy stuff going on in my day-to-day life, then I would be thinking, okay, deer season's over. Now it's three months till turkey season. And it's not really the case for me anymore. I think just because I got so much going on and I think I've just submerged myself so much in the world of deer hunting. But I do, like, you get into sometime in April and turkeys make me do weird things, (laughs) think weird things. So I was excited. I was like I said, it was we were back and forth on the fence with everything with with going and, and not that you guys were on the fence, but I was on the fence about going because I had all kinds of stuff going on with that house project and everything else, and uh, decided to go, which I'm glad to. And, and we, we kind of want to recap our weekend here um, <clears throat> before we get any farther with this. Um, I just want to leave a big shout out to our sponsors of this show, and the art uh, art want to make our mention out here to Radix Hunting. Guys, if you're in the market for a trail camera, if you're looking for quality, and I'm talking quality images, quality video, uh, quality response time on cell cameras, guys, look no further than Radix Hunting. They have everything you would want and more from that end of the spectrum. And I can tell you right now, if, uh, if your place that you guys have your camp at was anything that I would be deer hunting at man i would have loved there's some of the areas that i went to i was thinking man i'd be driving a camera here i'd be driving a camera here mm-hmm. i'm looking at my maps i'm like yeah i would have this ridge covered i'd have this knob covered i have this cup because i saw pretty much deer sign but you know the <clears throat> i'm always thinking deer it's just all the, you know all the whole time like I'm, i don't even deer hunt up there with you guys but like as i'm walking i'm like man i think if i was gonna hunt early archery here i would uh, i would want to I would want to set up this way and access this way. And I'm thinking, man, cameras would be so nice to have. And I, I keep thinking, too, like I, I want to get up to my camp this, this spring turkey season, right, because I'd like to get up and, and pull cameras up there that I've, I've had soaking since October. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, you know, coating this area that I have on my mind with, uh, with more cameras. So if you guys are in the market for that, you know, this, this spring is now a great time. I mean, I love to do that. I love in the, in the areas where I don't get to spend that much time and I'm going to be going away and just want to let a camera soak. Um, I, I really like doing that. So if you guys are thinking that same thing, uh, check them out. Uh, if you guys are looking for something local here in Southeast Pennsylvania and you're looking for a place to get these trail cameras, you want to check out Radix, get your hands on them. Uh, go to Little Mountain Outfitters in Richland, Pennsylvania. Uh, they're a dealer. And they're also a fantastic shop. I was just at Little Mountain Outfitters uh, not that long ago. I got my my bow restrung, and uh, I had to have to give Devon a hard time a little bit because you know I had my uh, my older I, I shoot an older Bowtech, and it's got a lot of character wear on it on the riser and on the limbs and stuff. And he's like, I don't know. I think that bow's kind of kind of got aged down a little bit he's like I, th- I think it's time for you to you know upgrade a little bit here he said i got the perfect bow for you and i said oh yeah and it was uh it was a really nice looking prime and it was everything that i like it was longer axle axle it was a 36 inch bow i can't remember the name of it it was one of the newer ones and it was a solid black color and i always liked mm. those and he's like 
yeah, I really bent your arm because I know that's exactly the kind of bow that you would go for. He goes, and not as many people would go for that. Everybody wants a camo or a shorter axle axe. So if that sounds like something that you guys would be into and you would like to go and buy a 36-inch axle-to-axle bow that's solid black and it's a brand new prime, um, check them out at Little Mountain Outfitters. I'm sure Devon would love to sell you that bow. But no, seriously, check them out because you've got Radix. They actually have a Radix soft-sided blind. Uh, that you can check out. Radix uh, offers uh, a number of soft-sided and hard blinds, and uh, you know that's a, a big thing. We got an episode coming up here in a, in a few weeks talking about blinds and positioning and using them in strategies for deer hunting. So I'm looking forward to bringing you that. But uh, yeah, and uh, I think with that, it's a, a perfect roll way into uh, into into our our conversation here in Potter yeah. County. Leading in though with trail cameras, you guys started running some trail cameras up at up at your camp. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, we just started fooling around with it a little bit, but um, we want to play with cell cams, which might be a little tricky depending on where we can put them in regards to service. But uh, I was surprised how much service I had in the area. You so did. Like, like when I, so the first spot I went to in the morning, I, I was looking on the map for, you know, past few months. I was e-scouting, thinking, where do I want to go? And I was looking at it from a deer hunting perspective, thinking, well, I kind of wouldn't mind checking this specific area out. And I thought, they'll serve two purposes. Like, I'll get away from the road. Hopefully, I'll get away from people. And uh, it, it looks like it had everything I want for, for deer hunting. Right. You know, maybe maybe I'll come up and deer hunt with you guys at some point. And uh, walked up this hollow. And, I, I mean, I probably walked. I mean, how far do you think it is to the top of the hollow? Like, three quarters of a mile, maybe? That's a long one. Yeah, it's a long hollow, and I get to the top of it and get to a logging road, and, and I look, I'm like, there's a tree stand. And I looked at the, there's a cell camera pointing right at me. So I waved to the cell camera, put a thumbs up, and like, that's at a good spot, buddy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I just didn't expect that. Yeah. Yeah, and talk about a way to make those big woods, like I said, just a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Finding those spots and scouting the spots first <laughs> off, and then finding those places you want to put those cameras, that's, that's huge up there, because I think a lot of people don't realize how how much woods are up in in northern pa if you've never hunted up there i mean you can get lost up there just just trying to find the area that you're looking for so and i mean that comes with time too the yeah, more there, time you spend up there there but. were some areas that we looked at on the map too that i was looking I'm like this is bigger even than than where my camp is at because i was looking where roads were and i was like man there is a long distance between run one road and the next and you know, even where I hunt, you know, it'd be a couple, you know, 60, 70,000 acres of state forest land, and then there's game lands adjacent to that. Right. Like some, some big woods, like there's still a lot of roads that you can navigate right. through. So you're, you're, you're never, you're never miles from the next road. Like, like you might have a pretty, pretty good walk, but you can find a, a dirt road somewhere right. that navigates through that block of timber. And, uh, like there were places up there with you that's like, wow, you could, you could really, really get yourself lost up here which i'd be all oh, right yeah. with sometimes that's kind of <laughs> what i was going for going up to your camp oh yeah yeah but you did get service quick because when i first when i climbed the first hill of my hunt i just got to the top and i happened to check my phone thinking i might get it and i already had a message from you and i that's when i sent a message to you jake as well right and then yeah, but i didn't get your message till two hours later though. right well yeah oh really you guys didn't have service at the same time well, I was down low. Oh, you were down low. Yeah, so 
one one thing too, I, I kind of want to go back. So like you guys, you, you talked earlier, like this this one area you started hunting last year in deer season, had mm-hmm. some good luck. You saw some deer. I think you bear hunted there too. One day, we right? did yep. twice. Yeah, and you saw deer. It was it was mm-hmm. you saw deer and turkeys. Like you had you, you had multiple encounters throughout fall hunting seasons with just game. In Great general. sign. Great sign. So it's just one of those things where you kind of wanted to investigate because, like, up until that point, had you guys ever stepped foot in that specific area, you know, surrounding you for hunting? I hadn't. I don't know that you had either. Never physically. It was a location that I first started looking at because of our grandfather. Okay. Who who knows those mountains arguably better than anyone that I know because he's been hunting them his whole life, and picking his brain a little bit about the places that historically were good for game in general, but then turkeys as well, he mentioned this area. So we went and checked it out last, well, two, was it two deer seasons ago that we first went up there or was it just this past season? I think the first time we went up there was muzzleloader or archery bear. Mm. Of this past season, that's right. In October. That's right. Kind of scouting around, just doing your thing. Yeah. But at that time is when you'd seen a bunch of turkeys in the fall. Yeah. Right. So going ahead, like you guys had gone up, like you were up a little bit preseason this spring and kind of scouted around when you had time. We were. Uh, I mean, we hit just about every season we could. So we were up for both bear seasons. We were up for deer rifle. I don't believe anybody from our immediate group got up in archery. Yeah. Some of the other members of the camp might have. But, yeah, we got up there a decent amount this fall. And you were you were also up there in April prior to turkey we, season. We did a spring. work weekend. Okay. We April, were up there in April. That's right. Didn't work the whole time, I guess, because we got out. And <laughs> yeah, that's right. I got Actually, I was up in September as well, and I got out in the woods a little bit. Right, right. So going in, like this was an area you guys wanted to, to spend time on. We were kind of back and forth. Cause so when we went to camp, uh, you had some, you know, you're you know, the one guy, the, the, the turkey whisperer himself decided to not go turkey hunting with us. And that's that's your youngest brother, mm-hmm. uh, Isaac. I call him the turkey whisperer because, man, you know, I'm, I'm sitting with two of, of my three cousins here. And you want to talk about some of the craziest turkey hunting experiences I've ever had. Um, I've taken Isaac, who out of out of the three of you. Um, I, I know he really enjoys hunting, but he's he's probably like he's just the least excitable of the mm-hmm. three of you when it comes to stuff. He loves to do it, but it, like when you go, was that fun? He's like, yeah, 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 it was good. Yeah, I know he has fun. Like he's just so his reaction to it is so funny. Right, and he doesn't stew on it for weeks and weeks beforehand right. the way that Jake and I do. Right. So like when we when we went up this weekend. First of all, opening day was windy, oh, rainy, a yucky day on the whole time. Then the temperature hit and the fog lifted up out of all the bottoms. I don't know if you guys had that. Uh, yeah, a I, little I, bit of that. A yeah. little bit, yeah. but like you know that miserable weather. And yeah, he he was he was the night before. I'm like, are, are you going out? Eh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So he didn't even get out of bed, and neither did neither did, neither did the, the other rest guys. of the gang. They, yeah. They were they were kind of more up for for fishing, right? And just kind of kind of hanging out with the guys and stuff, which is fine. But you know, we kind of got up that morning, and I was thinking, you know, I was going to go by myself, and then we were it was just the three of us then, because originally you you might have had partners with you, and you might have had somebody right. with you, and. uh so we, we kind of sat in camp. We were like, wait, should, should we hunt together? 
and and we were like back and forth like should should we should we go stuffing and it ended up we just decided we were all going to go our separate ways and kind of kind of hunt on our own yeah now you guys hunted the similar area like you were like we parked our vehicles right next to each other okay yeah we went we went down in at the same spot climbed up the same ridge and then i headed north and he headed south just on that ridge we both walked north from the road and he went a little east and i went a little west okay but it was still pretty pretty spacious back there as well, oh yeah we didn't see each other until we got back to camp then. didn't see each other and didn't didn't hear any of the same birds even though we got we both got on birds but i like i said i think you needed the turkey whisper with you that morning <laughs> he didn't get out of bed. that's what we needed yeah I, he's... I, I, I had to finish that because the, the turkey whisper goes he I, isaac has hunted turkeys with me three times three for three baby. and he shot three birds <laughs> now you yep. josh I, uh, you went with me three times, and I think yes. you killed two. Yes, almost went three for three as well. Yeah, we came close. That was right. That was at my, your that camp. was at my camp. At your that camp. was at my camp. But most, of, I think most of them were like when you guys were juniors. And yes, I, and I was older. I wasn't yes. a junior, so so I took you guys up. And Jake, you haven't been. You just you, the happenstances and stuff going on in your life. Like you just never were able in the springtime to go turkey hunting that much. I went with you once, one time, two years ago, and the most action we had was you were full draw on that seventy yard coyote, but he never stopped jogging. <laughs> no, so he didn't. Him. That's right. I forgot <laughs> about that. Yeah, that was the worst part because like the night before, I saw birds, heard birds, and thought I put we were in that area. Oh really? And we didn't even we didn't see or hear a bird until noon. Like it was just the weirdest mm. thing. But no, Isaac is just like the the luckiest turkey hunter I've ever met. I mean, his first gobbler, uh, he we literally had fourteen gobblers. It, it, it was like a group of five jakes and That's then a, and then a group of nine turkeys that had seven jakes and two longbeards. Like met in a field fifty yards away, out of range, fought for twenty minutes, made more sounds and commotions than I've ever experienced in my t- entire life and that followed up with uh the 15th bird hearing the commotion coming in to range and then he killed it and then you know he's killed uh, he killed two others uh, and we had the other couples and then you know you you were pretty fortunate killing killing birds so like i was when we were at camp that morning like i knew you guys wanted to go to this specific area and i knew you guys also like you guys take a lot of pride going to camp. Like you like to go to camp. You like to do it on your own. Like, and, and, and there's, there's a little bit of enjoyment when that satisfaction doing yourself. And I get that too, but there was a part of me that was like, man, I kind of want to go with Jake and see if I could call one in for him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I was actually, I was at the mindset, like you said, that I was taking one of the, one of the other guys in our crew out that day who who has a little less experience turkey hunting turkey calling and that this would have been my first experience really trying to call one in mm-hmm. because like you said the only two birds i've ever shot you called in because that was years ago it's right it's been quite some time since i shot a turkey and so we sat down there and we started talking about it and i said i was just thinking man i could go with mitch and if i went with mitch it would be very successful but i really well, I don't wanna, know about that <laughs> but i really want to try to get one myself and we got kind of close. Yeah, you guys had a good morning. So, like, I'm, oh, I'm curious. Like, Jake, hunt. tell me a little bit about your morning because you you heard birds throughout the morning, I think, didn't you? It took me a little bit to get into them. Okay. But where we parked, the road is parallel <laughs> to the valley. It's a really large valley that we deer hunted the other side. And even in deer season, we accessed it from a completely different spot. 
but we knew that we were going to be much more mobile with turkeys and where uh i was going to work uh to use cardinal directions i was going to work west as the mountain went away from the road and work that top of the ridge and just call until i eventually got down to the bottom and i was just going to make it up as i went from there that was the only thing i knew for certain i was going to do then i didn't do that i got down a little bit off the road and the clear cut or at least the the shelter wood cut went way further along that mountain than I guess you can say I was aware. I mm-hmm. knew it was there, but only from the other side. I never actually set foot in it. Okay. So I got down into it and then pretty quickly wanted to get in the other side instead, where I transitioned from the pines and the bottom up to just regular uh, kind of open woods on the other side. It got thicker on the top, but the side hill was pretty open. And so I went all the way down to the bottom, went straight up the other side, got to the top, called and milled around in there a little bit back and forth because I didn't know if anything was down in the pines from that morning and I could coax it out of it. Eventually up in there, I got service. I was looking at my Onyx and all of a sudden a text came from Josh who I knew was at least a half a mile up but probably closer to a mile up the valley from me and said he heard two gobbling the next valley over. Okay. If I would cross over and mm-hmm. then I'm real far from the cars. Right. So I had no idea idea what time he sent that. That came through to me at nine fifteen. <coughs> so, so Josh, you actually heard birds in the morning earlier than I him. heard birds before he did. Yeah, okay. you also got to that valley <coughs> way. Early. I did. I was hoofing it to get up there in the morning, and I didn't even call when I heard the first one. Oh, you heard him on their own. I heard him on his own down in the bottom of the valley. As soon as I got to the top, and just like Jake said, that's another valley further away from the vehicle so I, I was sitting there thinking about it for a second because we were way back in there but <laughs> yeah I, I went down after him and it ended up being two at, along with a hen and uh got got down in the direction of them calling along the way and man they were hot they were firing off each other mm-hmm. i mean i wasn't calling much they were they were doing it all by themselves so i kept cutting the distance cutting the distance well it turns out when i get to the bottom of the valley they're just across the bottom with beaver dams in mm. between them and I for the whole length of the valley going up. So that's so, where my dilemma started to set in. So was the first gobbler, were they were they on either side of the beaver dams, you think? Or they were still on that other side, you just... I believe they were both on the opposite side of me from the beginning, but they weren't together. Right. But as I progressed down the hillside toward them, I, and I heard the hen... It sounded like all three of them were slowly coming together. And by the time I got down to them, the two gobblers were right next to each other. Mm. And you worked them for quite a while. I worked them, yeah, I worked them for maybe 45 minutes, just really trying to pinpoint their location, pulling up the maps to see what my best course of action could be to try to get on these birds because they, I could hear them. They were just walking side by side. Mm. They're just up in the edge of the woods because the bottom of this valley was open, maybe mm. maybe 80 yards wide, wide open. So they were just up in the edge of the woods, cruising back and forth, waiting for me to come across to them, which I ended up trying. It just didn't end up working out. Yeah, that's so hard because I've tried to move on birds, like early, especially early in the season. Like you know, we're we're like, I bet you we're ten days ahead as far as leaf out right now. I mean, mm-hmm. we're further mm-hmm. ahead right now, I think, than normal. But like moving on birds in the beginning of the season is tough. I've tried moving on birds toward the end of the season and still got busted just because like I know some of those places upstate Pennsylvania where you've just got the same age open hardwood <laughs> forest that just goes for miles and miles and miles right like it's it's 
there's just not a lot of understory vegetation to cover you. So then you got to use terrain. Like I remember moving on a bird one time. It was Memorial Day weekend. And, uh, yeah, I was probably 150 plus yards from that bird and thought I had enough cover in between them. And I heard put, 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 and away they went. Right. And it's, yeah, probably, probably the same thing. Cause you had, you had tried to go up the valley and cut across and kind of make another set. I on. did. Right. So I was, I was almost directly across from them, maybe, maybe a hundred yards away from them just up in my side of the tree line so i cut back up the hill a little bit i went upstream uh i would say between 200 and 250 yards until i could look back down through the valley and feel confident that i could make it across without them seeing me crossed found a shallow area to cross got up in on the other side and i didn't get up to their level i actually went a little bit above thinking Mm. that if if i could give myself any benefit it would be that if i'm a little bit above them and try to bring them up to me. So I think I think part of my mistake could have been that once I got across and I went up, I also started to cut back down the hill, downstream toward them, before I ever called. And as soon as I crossed and got up into the trees and now was back in cover, I should have called right there mm. and to see if I could locate them. I already then started closing the distance. And I mean, who knows? I, I, didn't, I didn't know where that hen was. She could have been right with them. She could have been a little bit closer to me and she saw them. Mm-hmm saw me um so it's tough to say but looking back i think i just i rushed it a little bit rushed my plan and i had plenty of time too i mean this is all of this happened for me i think i first heard the birds just before seven o'clock and i believe i got across the valley probably around nine so there was no need for me to be pushing and trying to hoof it real quick but i did i was just too excited and uh (laughs) And it got the best of me in, in that case. But, I mean, what a neat hunt. Just just to hear the two of them feeding off each other. Um, especially, that's another point I wanted to bring up tonight, was that we drove around. We pro- My friends and I, before you guys got up to camp, probably went, we put a good 30 miles on dirt roads, calling and trying to roost one both Thursday night and Friday. Mm. And didn't hear a single bird. Yeah. Not one. That's tough. And I was especially getting, man, I was though. getting discouraged. Yeah. I thought this was going to be a rough one, and I think they were too. Uh, the other guys in the group, and um, I think that when, was probably I, the lack of motivation for them getting up in the morning. In addition, right, to right, the right. And so I think when the three of us all came back and all said we got on birds, I think they were a little bit, oh man, <laughs> oh man. So did you run into your birds later in the morning? Well, judging by his when he messaged me or when I got his message about 9.15, even though you sent that at 7.30, I quickly got over the other side then, and I heard him probably right about 9.30 when I just got off the other, got off the top into the other valley. And I only heard one for a long time, and I, I couldn't judge if he was on my side of the creek at the bottom or the other side for a while. So I was slowly going down the hill because – for all I knew, he was on our side, and I was going to run right into him. And I ended up calling a little bit, and I waited. I, I called back and forth with him until he replied to me very quickly, and then I just stopped replying. And he got over the next maybe ten to fifteen minutes. He gobbled three times, and I just I kept not saying anything. I was trying to get him closer to me, from where I was holed up, and. I don't know how, how far a distance all the way from the bottom to the top of that hill was. Probably wasn't quite a half a mile. Okay. But when I 
I did that when I was about one third up from the bottom. Mm. And all of a sudden I heard him and he was dead in the bottom then. And I was there a creek in the bottom? Yeah, big creek. Mm. And (coughs) then I determined either he moved away from me out of confusion or he was on the other side. So that meant he had to go down to get closer to me. And I, I took a gamble that he was on the other side for a little bit, and I went lower. And then I definitely could determine because I was – I never saw him. It was thicker down there. Mm. I was probably within 200 yards of him. And as I was doing that final move where I, then I ended up really holding up and just staying quiet for a long time, maybe 400 to 500 yards to, to the left of the bottom from the side I was coming down was another gobble. Mm. So another one started working. And he didn't really seem too bothered with that. Boy, I got down to the bottom. I could see the bottom. It was a giant beaver dam. I'm being conservative here. It's probably 50 yards across at the mm-hmm. bottom. And I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. I was letting. It, I was being quiet with him. And all of a sudden, he gobbled. And within 30 seconds of him gobbling, I heard two different hens on that side. Mm. And I was thinking, oh, crap. It's hard to get turkeys across water as it is. It's raining right now. And he's got hens with him. What's going to make him leave those hens and come over here, especially since that other gobbler started going? Mm. And at that point in time, then I, I started walking down the valley, the direction opposite of Josh, trying to see if the creek got more narrow. So there's just no good spot to cross that creek. It was too big. Well, not that I found. I actually... to. To be able to walk the speed that I wanted to walk, I had to go back up a little bit. It was too thick down in it. Gotcha. And because of me being almost the opposite of Josh, I was probably overly patient. Not because I was trying to drag my feet. I just didn't want to bust him up. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, it was 11.15, and I still didn't cross the creek yet. So Mm -hmm. I'm going down the valley, going down the valley, and the other gobbler got closer to him. They started closing the gap between (laughs) themselves. And just for the people listening, I'm probably a good mile from Josh. I don't think we were in the same same birds. You never right. know. They could have heard you or whatever you say. You busted them up, and they, they could have ran all the way down to me. Yep, there's a lot of space up there. I mean, it was, and it was like I said, there was plenty of turkey sign in that area. There was. It, I mean, it's tough to say. I mean, the, the timing almost lines up that when I believe that I got over there and mine busted and took off somewhere. Mm-hmm was around the time that you started hearing them. Yeah. So and we were in the same valley, but I agree we were we were quite a distance away. So it's tough yeah. to say. We'll, we'll never know, but it, I'll say they were all different birds. Let's say we got on four different ones. <laughs> well, I think the I think the cool part about that is so like, you know, you guys are <clears throat> reflecting on things that you guys think might have been a mistake, might have not been, and I'm still firmly like I'm not much of a turkey hunter. I like to go turkey hunting. I've learned a lot from other really good turkey hunters over the years, but one one thing that I've learned is every time that you go out and you kind of do something, you you take something away and you learn something. And the biggest thing you take away is like turkeys make you learn the woods. Like oh, yeah. be, just because when they're gobbling certain areas, like you're 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 trying to figure out when you're looking on your maps or you're just looking naturally at the terrain and the, the, the stuff like, how can I move on this bird? And th- then you run into situations like, like you ran into, Jake, where it's like, oh, there's giant beaver dams here and there's no good places to cross. And now you're, <laughs> now you're back to the drawing board. So, like, you didn't connect on those birds just because it was hard to move on them. But, 
like you learned a whole different section of that property and saw a whole bunch of stuff that you know whether it's deer season or whether it's this coming weekend like you've, you've probably formulating a new game plan to attack that area right i'm definitely formulating a new game plan on how to get in there i think i know where to cross the creek that isn't i'm not going to be soaked up to my hips and the one thing that i have to say too is i never actually hunted that valley before when i crossed over the top and got yeah. to the other side and this is the first time i ever hunted turkeys on my own yeah i I never went out on my own i'm not saying that as an excuse but a place i never actually hunted and trying to do it for my first time i was i heard so many people say in the past ah they rushed in and busted them up and spooked the turkey so i tried to (laughs) push myself to be disciplined and not do it and you know hindsight's always 2020 i don't know if i i probably would have busted them if i crossed the way it was open over there i never saw them but I, i ended up going all the way down the valley until that valley opened up into the other one all the way at the bottom and that was about ending time. And I, I kind of was walking faster than out of desperation to see if I could find a spot to get across in there. And it, it just didn't work out. And then actually around 1140, they got quiet. Mm. So I, I don't – it is what it is. Yeah, it's hard we'll to say. We'll be back up in there this weekend and see what yeah. we can do. I like what you said there, Mitch. I, I would agree that more so turkey than deer season, you can really cover ground up there, at least for the way that our camp hunts. You get up at 3, you hoof it back into where you want to go, and then you plant your butt there until, or as long as you can stand it, to be honest. Try to try to wait for that first push of hunters to come out of the woods and start moving deer for you. And if you're good enough, some people like to stay in one spot all day. So you're really not covering a ton of ground or seeing a ton of ground the way that we deer hunt up there. Mm-hmm. But turkey hunting, and I want to ask you, I checked my steps after I was done turkey hunting from, let's say, 5.30 to 11 o'clock when I stopped hunting. I went 8.3 miles. Okay. Yeah, I and so, you went far too. Yeah, so I didn't have uh, I didn't put my tracker on my my maps. Um, so I when we were sitting in camp, then I kind of looked at the maps and then I just like drew like rough roughly where I walked and where my route was for the entire morning. Okay. And I was really really conservative in the way I drew it, and I came up with like a total of. 7.5 or 7.7 miles yeah. i think yeah um I, i'm very confident it was more than that just because of the way i drew the line so i'm i'm guessing i was between seven and a half and eight and a half miles is what i walked but i i did not have the action you guys had like at all right so yeah let's get into the let's get into yeah, the killer so story I, here. here we go like i said i was the whole time i'm thinking like i, I had so many mixed feelings like i love going to your camp I, I your camp is awesome. I love the woods. I love the like it's more I don't want to put this. It's more back in there compared to my camp and I think my camp's definitely gets away from from civilization plenty. You guys are remote at your camp. Yeah, re- remote as words. Like like you guys are very remote. And I love your camp, but it's it's just a further drive. And I had this thing going on with my house. We were doing this roof project. That was a nightmare. And then the weather, and I'm just like, what are the chances that I'm actually going to connect on a turkey? And uh, I was like, you know what? I don't care about that. I, I get that out of my head. I'm here to go have a good time. I wanted to go hunt a new area, hunt with you guys, and, and just enjoy it. And uh, I'd been looking for, for weeks, and we were texting back and forth areas. And I had this area picked out. Um, that was relative to uh, there was a there was a, a a pipeline a gas line at this mm-hmm. one area and there was a, a bunch of different chop offs 
And I had looked at it and said, you know what, I think I can plan this route if I walk from the main road across the creek and walk probably three quarters of a mile to a mile up this, this long hollow, I'll get to this top where there's a lot of chop-offs and there's not a lot of road access. I mean, if you'd come from a road to get to where I was, it's a, it's a, it's a substantial walk. Oh yeah. And, uh, so I walk up this hollow and it was daylight when I was walking up and I didn't, I saw some deer. I didn't see or hear any birds the whole way up. I get to the top and think, all right, I'm just about there. And that's why I saw that tree stand cell camera. And there was, there was actually two tree stands at that top. And I'm kind of navigating around this chop off and I, I get to this, this gas line and I'm thinking, all right, this is an area where, you know, we get those edges. I'm thinking maybe I'll finally find some turkey sign out here and hopefully I, uh, hopefully I can, you know, be away from people. I, I kid you not, I walk out on the gas line and look, and there's two guys, and they're probably <laughs> 200 yards from me. And I'm looking, I'm thinking, get the heck out. I mean, they had to hoof it back here. Well, I didn't think about it. We're on state forest land. Right. And they had e-bikes. I was <laughs> like, oh, more power to those boys. Like, good for them. Because <laughs> that's, yep. how, that's how I felt. Yep. I was like, you beat me at my own game. But <laughs> So they come up to me, and, and they, they were two. They were like, How'd you get back in here? And I said, oh, I said, I told them where I accessed from. They're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And I said, what's, I said, what's your guys' route? And they said, we're just going to keep, keep rolling. And the area that they wanted to cover, when I was looking at my maps, I was like, man, they're, they're kind of covering a lot of what I wanted to cover. And they can cover more of it on, on that. So, you know, first I kind of was looking like, do I go further back in across the, the line? I'm thinking, well, I haven't seen much sign up until this point. I found a little bit of sign at the at the gas line, and it was the weather was getting worse at that point. Like it, I think it picked up between seven and nine was the worst range for me. I agree. Yep. If you're looking to simplify your food plot system while enhancing the quality of your soil, you need to check out Vitalize Seed Company. Vitalize provides top quality seed blends designed to fit into their one-two planting system. The system has been designed to allow highly diverse plant species to grow synergistically, optimizing nutrient uptake and cycling the way God intended. Reduce your inputs, build your soil, and maximize the quality tonnage for the wildlife in your area. Find out more about this system and get your seed at VitalizeSeed.com and be sure to check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Radix Hunting was founded on premium grade trail cameras and continues striving to produce the best cellular and conventional trail cameras on the market today. The Gen 600 is a second generation camera from the Gen series line. With premium video and audio recording capabilities, this product has become well respected as the HD video trail camera. In addition to the Gen series cameras, their M-Core cellular camera has all the features of a quality cell camera at an affordable price. Along with their cameras, they offer stick-and-pick trail camera accessories to allow you to set your cameras just right. You can find it all at RadixHunting.com and be sure to follow Radix Hunting on Instagram and Facebook. Want to check out Radix cameras in person? Stop in at Little Mountain Outfitters in Richland, Pennsylvania and have a peek. Now, back to the show. And uh, I, just, I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to make a loop around the next finger ridge and head in the direction back towards towards my car so i hunted my way through a couple times stopped and waited and sat down for you know 15 minutes and i did that up until quarter 10 
and uh, I, I'm I'm just sitting there down in the dumps, you know, no no turkey sign. I saw deer sign, but uh, no no turkey sign. No, didn't hear a bird. Nothing. And I was like, I gotta I gotta do something different. I gotta reconvene. So um, and I'm soaked at this point. I mean, I had a I had a rain suit on, so um, I was dry from the outside in, but I was wet from the inside out just because it holds all that heat in. So uh, I went back to my car, changed clothes, and I was looking at my maps the whole time. And I was looking at at this, and you know this the the road that I was parked on. It's uh, it's it's in this valley and parallels these these two different mountains, kind of running. I think it's kind of running north and south. But anyway, I was looking at it, and the road kind of goes up the up the valley, up the valley, and gets to a point where it's on basically on the top of the the mountain to the right. Mm-hmm. And I was I was looking at that, and I measured it. And it was like three miles back to camp, and I thought, you know, I could park there. And uh, I could walk back to camp, and then we'll go pick my car up later. That'll give me a cool opportunity to just go into a new area and and kind of uh, and just and just hoof it, just just kind of hoof it and call. So when I drove up, I was thinking, well, I know where I got to park. There was people there this morning. I, I was kind of curious. It was just before ten o'clock. I'm thinking, I wonder how many people are out yet. And there was one vehicle the whole way up, and it was on the opposite side of the road I was looking to go. And uh, all the places where there was main parking, there wasn't a, there was tire tracks there where people left, and there wasn't a single car there. And I thought, wow, I'm, I think I'm going to be back in here by myself, because you know from from camp up through there was there was nobody on that parked on that side. Now I guess somebody could have came in from the other side, but that would be a hoof. So uh, I just decided, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna park at this this line. I'm gonna get on the top of this ridge, and I'm gonna hoof this ridge back to camp. And I started doing that, and I, I, you know, got on logging roads, and then it was open hardwoods, and you know, go every hundred, hundred fifty yards, make a couple calls, and uh, and keep rolling. And I got about halfway between where I parked and camp, so I'm going to say I got about a mile and a half. And uh, I, you know, the weather's getting a little; it's clearing up. It's still cloudy and overcast, but it's getting a little bit nicer. And it's mid morning. I was thinking there is a good chance I'm going to run into a gobbler. I just I just had that feeling I might run into something. And uh, I heard a bird gobble on his own. I was walking and it was faint, but I'm like I'm pretty sure that was a gobbler. So I kept moving, and uh, that you know the 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 ridge kind of widened out a lot. And uh, I, I was I was trying to figure out which side of the ridge he was on, but I just said you know I got to keep going. Kind of I think it was kind of like south ish south east-ish and uh kept moving and he, he gobbled again on his own that time i knew that it was definitely a gobbler and i, I kind of got a direction on him kept moving in kept moving in i'm kind of i'm kind of going through thicker pines uh like low pines like the it wasn't mature stuff it was you know high high stem count stuff so it was kind of harder to navigate i'm slowing down i didn't want to make noise i couldn't tell how far he was and uh, the third time he gobbled on his own, a, a crow called, and he uh, he gobbled, and he sounded. I'm like, man, he he's pretty close. So when I I found a spot, I was right at the transition of the the pines, the young pines, kind of getting into that hardwoods okay. again. And uh, I was like, man, I I don't know how much farther I can go. I don't know where these woods will open up. I don't know if he's on top, and I don't want to bust him. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here. So I sat down, and by this time, you know, as I went through this, 
I heard him at about 11, 10 after 11, 11, 15. So I sat down and threw a Yelp out. Nothing. Waited another 20, 30 seconds. Threw another Yelp out. And he answered. And he sounded this time, he sounded like he was, he wasn't on top anymore. He was down over the ridge hmm. kind of a, a little bit from me. Down over on the back like, side or on the road side? On the you, road side. On the road, on the road side, side, really? Yeah, okay. he was down over okay. on the road side. Like, there's, there was real big, mature pines up mm. in that, that area. Like there's a big Yeah, bowl, yeah, yeah. Okay. Real, real big, big uh, pines. Like I said, I think he was just down in there just kind of looking for a girlfriend and, and was gobbling on his own a little bit. So he answered me, and then uh, you know, I was kind of sitting there thinking, what do I do? And I'm like, you know... I've, I've only got 45 minutes. Like I, I'm either going to, I think I got to call hard to this Turkey. I thought he's, he's, I don't know if he's got anything with him, but he's gobbling. It's late morning. I've had good luck when you find a late morning Turkey that sometimes you, you can call hard to him and they want to come. And I thought I've got nothing to lose. I, I'm almost out of time. So I, I started to call. I, I went into some yelps and cut hard at him and he answered me pretty much. Uh, he answered me a couple times. Um, you know, waited a few seconds, called to him again, and he answered. And I thought, okay, he's he knows I'm here. Um, now I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up for a little bit and just see if he makes a move. And in that calling sequence, I've I've been listening. So last year we had Matt Dale on the show, and Matt has a, a YouTube hunting channel, Dale Outdoors, and he's a turkey hunting fanatic. And you know, we we had Jason Miller on a few weeks ago, and he's a turkey hunting fanatic. And a lot of these like really good turkey hunters talking about their calls and stuff. Like I've been hearing more lately, and like I said, I, I'm newer to the party. I'm sure there's people listening to this that, you know, probably, oh, I've heard about this call, but I, I really was not familiar with it. Um, they were, I, I've watched the Primo's guys years ago. I, I hear them do this call and I didn't know what it was. And it was, it was a whine and, and it was kind of like, and I don't have a mouth call with me to make the sound and I should really have somebody on that could do it better than I can because mine was pretty pitiful, but it kind of is like a Kiki, but the oscillations are different. Like Kiki's like, woo, woo, woo. And like this, this wine that these guys were talking about and showing me how to do and explaining to me, it was more under your breath. And it was like, and it was, it was like I said, under your breath. And it was described to me that it was a call kind of like if a, a hen was, was ready to breed with a gobbler. And I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe somebody listening to this can, can confirm that or deny that whatever the case was. I was like, I've got 45 minutes, and I've been practicing this call. I, I had my turkey calls in my center console of my work car, so every now and then I get bored, and I throw one in my mouth, and I just start practicing, just trying to make sure that I can make different mm -hmm. sounds. I was practicing this sound. I'm going to throw this at him, see what he does. So the, the call I had in was, was a raspy call. So I flipped it upside down to get kind of that true, that true crisp sound, and I threw one at him. with a, you know, I did a series of yelps and, th and threw one of those at him. He gobbled. I was like, oh, he gobbled at that. Okay. And then uh, then I went into this this moment of silence. And, and you know, I, I say it was five to seven minutes. I feel like whenever you're sitting on a turkey and you say, oh, I waited 10 minutes till I called to him, it's like half that. Like, cause right, you're just right. so, you're just so <laughs> right. jacked. Like, I'm like, what is this bird doing? What's this bird doing? Like, I got the gun on my knee. I'm like, is he actually coming? Is he not coming? Is he with the hens? What's he doing? So I'm going to say it was five minutes. And I, uh, I thought I'm gonna just throw a soft yelp at him, and uh, you know five soft yelps. 
And he was like, wow, he's like, right, he's coming. He's probably 60-ish yards. Like, it was no doubt he was on the top of the ridge, and he, he had closed the gap significantly. And right after he gobbled, I threw another wine at him. He double gobbled at me. I'm like, man, this sucker is coming. So at that point, I, I shut up. I flipped the safety off, and I was I was watching, and I heard, heard him strutting through the thick oh, stuff. He's drumming. Oh, Here yeah, he comes. So cool. Here he comes. Strutting. And then I, I, I finally <coughs> got this black blob moving right to left in front of me. And by the time I saw him, he was already in, tur- in, in shotgun range. Because where I sat up, sat, I was at the edge of the pines and the hardwoods, but it wasn't like a straight line. Like it was kind of thinning. Mm. And uh, I couldn't see more than about 50 yards from me. And, you know, from that 30 to 50 yard barrier was pretty thick. Like it was, it was just a black blob moving through there. But he was, and he wasn't running. But like, you know how sometimes, like, if they get something in their mind and they just, like, they're, they're on a mission. Like, that's what he was doing. He was walking fast. Like, mm-hmm. he strutted. I saw him strut one time behind a bush. And then he came out and he just walked. And uh, he he closed the gap, and I'm gonna say he was about thirty to thirty five yards. And I was I was looking in front of him, trying to find an opening I could shoot through. And I finally looked at this one section. I was shooting through some brush, but I I knew I had enough that I could I could get through to his head. So when he got to that, I did another, and he just threw his head up and looked, and and I left him have it. And I was like, it was like I couldn't believe it. Like I everything about that, like when I shot, I was like. I actually got one. I actually got one mm-hmm. up here. I, like that, <laughs> it was like pinch me. I can't believe this happened. And I ran up to him because I didn't like in my mind. I was I was questioning shoot the shot slightly just because I knew I was shooting through some brush, and uh, I you know I've I've never had it happen to me personally. I've heard too many horror stories though of people doing that, and they roll the bird and they think they got it, and then it gets up and runs. So I like, you know, instantly I, I did the old fashioned get up and f- go running mm-hmm. after this turkey. And, uh, I mean, I, I think every, every pellet within that size of his head, I mean, nailed him. I don't think it was deterred. I mean, he, he rolled. Dome. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a perfect textbook shot and he, he rolled and I was, I was jacked. I mean, it, and I, and when I stood on, when I, when I got up to him, I checked my phone to see what time it was, and it was 11.32. So I figured I shot him like you know, like 11.31, 11.32. So but from the time I heard him till I killed him was probably, I'm going to say it was 15 to 20 minutes, but I only called to him maybe 10 minutes. I mean, it was that quick. So it was, I mean, I was, I was jacked. <laughs> I really was. And then I didn't ask you this. Did you check to see? If you were closer to camp or closer to your truck at that point and I, make a decision? I did. I think when I looked at it, I might have been a touch closer to my car. Just okay. a touch. But I would have had to walk uphill. Yes, that's uphill. Right. And I was Ramp like downhill. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be that schmuck. I'm gonna have a turkey on my back, walking out, walking down the road back to camp. Thought maybe it'll be late enough that these guys will come looking for me, and I'll I'll have that big, you know, grin on my face. You know, look what I did. But when you were on the road, did anybody drive I, past you? I didn't see a single person. Not a single <laughs> Not person one. drove past me. <laughs> I even walked slow at one point. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But no, I, I was. I I figured it's just gonna be easier to walk back down to camp, and then we'll we'll go get my car later. But yeah, it it went from zero to a hundred for my morning. Yeah. And then the, the the crazy part about it was too, 
I was standing over top of my bird, and you know, I was pretty pretty jacked and excited. And I, I was kind of like hooting and hollering to myself a little bit, and then I heard like down the ridge farther towards your camp. And that's like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Get the heck out of the well! I don't care now. I'm done." <laughs> <laughs> when when he was coming and you started seeing him, did you at all take notice if he was a long beard or not, or you just knew he was? I had no clue. I, had, I, I didn't know. I had no clue. I I I. I think I knew – well, I knew it had a beard because I think at one point when it was going through the brush, I saw it bob. Mm. But it didn't even register to me, is this a Jake? Is it a long beard? I didn't care. I was I knew I was going to shoot it. Like, it could have it could have been, you know, a big mega Jake with a two-inch beard. And if even if I would have known that, I would have shot him. Absolutely. Oh, I had a feeling. Oh, absolutely. There was no, there was no prejudice. I mean, if he was going to act like a big boy, he was going to get treated like a big boy. That's oh, how yeah. I felt. <laughs> Well, and you've had a lot of turkey success before, but that was your first Northern PA Big Woods turkey, right? Oh yeah, I I shot a bunch um, in in the southern part of the state. I shouldn't say a bunch. I've I've been the goofball that I was really really lucky when I was a junior and I shot like multiple birds and and two uh, pair, right? Well, that's irrelevant at this point. <laughs> but I uh, I thought I want to shoot one with my bow. And I took my bow for maybe eight to ten years and never brought, broke a shotgun out. Like, never. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I stopped. And I, I I actually, to this day, have never killed a Pennsylvania spring gobbler with a bow. I've shot, I shot two birds in Virginia with the bow. And I've shot two Pennsylvania birds in the fall now when I was deer hunting. I got two. But I still, I, I felt like cursed. And it got to a point where it was eating me up. Look, for a while it was like, ah, I don't care. Like, I'll, I'll go. Mm-hmm. And in that time, it's not that I wasn't getting on birds. I screwed up on them. I missed them. Um, I called in a bunch of birds for other people. Like, I called in, you know, uh, you know, we, we had uh, – people helping us call for for uh year one yes year one yes, my uh, second one, one. one of yeah. isaac's there was somebody that helped call that one in mm-hmm. but i mean i i would say i was part of you know the five that you guys killed yeah um i called one uh my first i've called a first bird in for uh my buddy from college i called in a, a fr- and that was up at, that was up at camp you know called in a, a oh was that a camp? yeah he killed one okay. up at camp um, that was Big Woods. I called one in, uh, a first bird for my, my one uncle. And, uh, that, that was a cool experience. And I'm forgetting turkeys at this point. I mean, I, I've, I've been part of so many different turkey hunting experiences. Um, even in the Big Woods, I mean, I've worked so many birds that I either screwed up on or somebody else shot or, you know, just whatever. Yeah. So, like, this was the first one I actually killed up there. And I, I mean, I, I I truly feel like if I had a dollar for every time I screwed up on a bird upstate, like I'd I'd you know probably pay this mortgage that I have. Oh no. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's so rewarding. I mean, you could shoot a squirrel up there and you feel like Bear Grylls. I mean, it's <laughs> I, I, I've I've felt that, and it's it's just really tough. I mean, nothing is easy up there. Well, I think the thing I've learned too is like when I first started hunting in the northern part of the state. It's different, and it's intimidating. But once you start putting boot bootleg down, and you start learning areas. It's no different. Oh yeah, 
It's just it's just bigger scale. Yep. Every every part of it, and it's it gets easier every time you go. The the problem that we run into, and this is most of the people listening to this, and uh, you know, you guys and and myself as well, is just the time ability to go up and put the time in that we need to. Because I've come to this conclusion as long as I've done this show and the people I've talked to, like. I don't care how good of a hunter you are, how efficient you are um, with your time. Those are all really, really important. But the people who put in the time and have those things are the people that have the most success. Absolutely. Like, I hate to say this, but time is huge. Now, put that on the the right scale with different people. I understand that you're going to learn things... um, as time goes on, more experienced hunters can make things more efficiently. Like, mm-hmm. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, generally speaking, if you can spend the time and and <laughs> you're just bound to. Right. And it doesn't have to be time in a 365-day span necessarily. Like we were just talking about, each year that we go up there, we know a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Right. There's always going to be places now in the back of my mind from this past weekend that in the past there's been turkeys there. And not that that's going to be where they are every year, but that's a, that's something that I will now remember and that stays with me. But now I may not be turkey hunting up there while I am going up next weekend. But after that, I might not be up there again till next year really looking for turkeys. Yeah. Well, and another thing too, like you brought up a good point earlier in our conversation when you were talking about the way you guys deer hunt. And I've fallen into that trap too, where you have it in your mind where you want to go. And you, you know, the first day of rifle season, you want to, you want to sit and, and whatnot. And I, I find myself too, when I'm especially bow hunting, where I'm like, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, go in there at the wrong time or I might chase something out or or this and that or you know I tiptoe around and find that I miss out if I don't go explore and and putting even deer hunting like I'll never forget like that you know that buck that you you Mm -hmm. always eye up every time that that buck I shot up at my camp that's a good deer yeah that 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 buck was I literally had the mindset like I I still had my buck tag in my pocket opening day of deer season of, of of buck season and uh, I just had it in my mind. I'm not going to sit somewhere just because I didn't know where to sit. I mean, I could have looked at the maps and I, I had a general knowledge of that area, but I didn't know where I just sit and be confident. I just had it in my mind. I don't care if I spook deer. Um, I, I need to learn a little bit more about this area. I don't know it as well as I want to know it. And I'm going to, I'm going to walk and, to the best of my dopic ability, I'm going to still hunt it. And I literally shot that deer tripping over a log. Like I tripped and was That's catching. That's right. I was yeah, tripping, yeah, yeah. tripping and catching my bounce. I was trying to, I was walking on a side hill and there was uh, logging trails and there was these, these sticks and logs um, in the middle of the trail. So I was trying to like tiptoe and find the best way around it. And I took a step on something uneven and lost my balance. And I'm like, on one foot with my rifle on my shoulder like wobbling around trying to balance and then place my foot somewhere that I'm not going to make noise finally I lost my balance and I had to just plant my foot or fall when I planted my foot of course I planted it on this giant mess of sticks (laughs) cracked really loud and when I did that immediately (coughs) there was a buck I was I was on the side hill and there was a bench below me the bench the base of the bench was about 
60 to 70 yards and then the bench was very wide so it was over 100 yards to where it dropped off again and uh, when I stepped I looked and right about at the base of the side hill probably I'm going to say it was about 70 yards that buck jumped up and there, it was one of those it was open hardwoods and I knew right away when he jumped up I'm like I right away I saw it was a legal buck and I right away thought that looked like a nice buck and I've never shot a buck at camp. So I'm going to at least let one shot fly and <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget. Like I threw the gun up. I had the deer in my scope. He was running almost straight away from me. He was slightly quartered away downhill, pretty steep. And when I threw the gun up, I remember he was bounding into my crosshairs and I thought, and like, it's amazing how like, I don't think I'm exact. I mean, I've thought this story about a million times and how much of it's instinctual versus how much of it are you actually thinking when this is happening? Mm. But in my mind now I was thinking I'm, the only shot I have is like at the back of his, in his neck was he's running away. Right. So that's where I thought I had the crosshairs and I pulled the trigger. And that's another thing too. Like when I shoot a gun, like I know some people can say like, oh, I could see through the scope that I hit him. And I've like, never been that way. I, I can't do that. Nope. I've tried. Nope. And like the, the the gun kicks, I blink, I lose my sight, and you know I you know I had a bolt action at the time, and I I rack the bolt, and uh, usually the gun comes down a little bit, racking the bolt, and I'm looking for where he is, and I'm I don't see him. I'm like, how did that deer get out of sight that quick? I mean, I know he was getting to the edge, he was going to drop down over and and uh, be out of sight, but I'm thinking I should have seen him bound somewhere like I had to have and I'm like looking all over the place like I, I've got the next round and I'm like I'm ready to just up and shoot thinking I'm gonna see him slinking out somewhere and I I don't know how long I looked but I finally was like I guess he's gone I, I guess I gotta look in my binoculars and so I, I put my safety on put my rifle on my shoulder and I, I had my binoculars and I'm looking in my binoculars and at one point I looked I'm like is that a deer laying there and I took a step over and looked I'm like Oh my word, he's laying there dead. Like, I got him. I was like, disbelief. I'm like, I actually got him. So I go running down the mountain and I get up to him. I'm like, holy cow, this is a good buck. Like, it was, it was stupid. But like, literally, like, the, the whole point of me telling that deer story real quick was like, I didn't know where the heck I wanted to go. Right. I just had an idea. I was looking on the map like, I'd like to explore this. This is how I'm going to try to explore deer hunting. And learn stuff. Well, that area that I shot that buck, that was where we spent time um, in rifle season the past few years and made some pushes, and we've killed deer out of there. Yeah. And, like, every year, like, you fine-tune it a little bit. And I think, like, that concept of what I did deer hunting there, like, I, I keep trying to apply that. And I'm trying to not be afraid to be mobile because I, I think it's so, like – you know, us being in the southern part of the state, we're so used to having smaller parcels of land, and we don't want to chase anything. So we, we, we set up in safe areas, and that's where we sit. And uh, you know, up there, it's the same concept, but it's a bigger scale. And I just feel like I, I've, got, I've got to branch out. I've, I've got to be able to, like I said, turkey hunting. I just think is a great opportunity. So, like you know, I think about all the stuff that you guys ran into. Like I'm anxious to hear about your turkey hunting is a turkey hunting adventures this coming weekend, right? Just because. You saw it. You got an idea where birds oh, yeah. were. You're going to try to access it a different way. And 
you know, maybe it pans out. Maybe you come back with more stories of learning, and and, and we'll also be guiding a little bit instead of hunting. That'll make it yeah. interesting. Right now we're now we're taking the the ladies out, so yeah, she'll be she'll be holding be the shotgun match. first. So it it was interesting how you talked about still hunting deer because this past year, when I went into this new area for the <laughs> first time, it was the first time in rifle season that I decided to pretty much still hunt right still hunt right from the get go. I sat maybe until about 8 o'clock, and then from then on, I had my whole day planned out the general direction I wanted to go, because that would depend if I saw hunters or right. if I even got in on deer and had an idea. And I was a bit of a doubter to it. I didn't know if, more of myself, I didn't know if I was actually going to be able to sneak along and truly hunt animals while I was moving. But I got in on them without much of an issue to the point where I know that that's what I'm going to do again this year. Yeah, Maybe a slightly different area, I might plan a different hunt. But I don't see myself sitting much, other than maybe if I find a spot that I really like and sit there till dark at the end of the day, something like that. But it it really does get you to learn a lot. Like the, the hollow that I went in this past year for Turkey, or just this past weekend for Turkey, I mean, I'm probably going to go up there at some point in deer season. Because I, I know another spot, another way to access it probably a little bit better, and I might even try to get up there in archery because of the way it transitions there's a little bit of opening, uh, thick bottom, and there's pines and hardwoods. There's a whole lot of different stuff right back in there. Mm-hmm. And then, You said you saw a lot of deer sign currently this time of year when you were there this week. I saw too. way more than I'm used to seeing. Yeah, And that's springtime, but I mean still. Well, it couldn't have been the same deer. <laughs> there was way, <laughs> way right. too much. That, that deer would have been sick, and that, that's a whole other story. But Yeah, I, you know, yeah. I, the, one one thing I know too, like so, like we're talking about putting the time in and learning areas during hunting season, and I will say for me, I've put so much emphasis on my deer hunting closer to home. Mm-hmm. So then, when I have off season time, where do I put my time in? Around there, and if I went to camp or upstate or something like that in the summertime, most of the time it was with the family. And I never really prioritized getting out and exploring in the summertime. Um, I'm not throwing my wife under the bus by any cases, but she doesn't really like to hike. So we never take time to say, hey, we're going to go for a hike. And, hey, right. let's do it in this general area. I'd like to learn a little bit more. So, you know, shame on me. Like, I, I'll go up and I don't – the little bit of time that I have in the off season, I don't spend it as much in the woods. You know, the, the – and the, the time I have in the off season devoted to preparing for hunting has been more of those places close to home. And now, after spending the time in the hunting season, walking and learning those areas, now, you know, when, when people talk about, you know, off season work and scouting big woods, it's not that I never understood why they didn't do it. I'm just getting that allure right. that now I want to start shifting and spending more time in the off season because I like hunting here and I want to keep learning it more. And and like I said, it, it's it's not that that was a foreign thing to me. I I understand the concept of off season work. I've done it just in a different capacity on on property types. So I, I think that's one thing I, I continue to challenge myself. But like I said, turkey season is a great opportunity. I mean, I, I've I quickly start looking at weekends in turkey season. Like, I want to go here, I want to go here, I want to go here, and that way I can scout this area. Like, there's a spot I've been looking at in, in a part of the state <clears throat> I've never set foot on, but I've been looking at it from maps and I've driven past it. 
And I, I keep thinking that has got to be an area for me to spend time bear hunting. Yeah. You know, I want to kill one with the bow. It looks like it sets up well from a, a food and cover standpoint that I, I think, wow, why don't I go down there and turkey hunt? That'll give me an excuse to walk out and hunt, learn ground, cross places off, put pins on, and then uh, revisit that right before bear season and, and scout it. And I still might do that. I mean, there's a lot of other cards that I'm I'm rolling back and forth of whether or not I'll I'll do that and and put that into application this year. But uh, you know, stuff like that, like turkey season, just just does that so much. Like I'm curious. Like we're we're yakking around. We're you know we're we're right here uh, right around an hour. But I really want to pick both of your brains because you guys have gone to camp since you're young. Like, I think you guys all started deer hunting when you were 12 years old going with your dad, I think, right? Yep. I might have been 13 because of the way soccer worked out or something. Gotcha. But right around there. But, yeah, yep. but you were yep. still going. So, like, you guys have gone through an evolution on your own going there, like from hunting with dad and hunting with your grandfather, mm-hmm. hunting with the other members of camp and kind of tagging along. And, like, you guys have, have just every year – branch out a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more and, and and try new things and stuff and i'm i'm really curious like like just your thought process and that evolution what you've experienced from then till now uh, like w- maybe what's what's been your uh things that have happened over the years that, that have motivated you to want to check out these different areas or stuff like that like, i'm just curious like that stuff because you talk about camp a lot and you're like me in that respect and you just kind of it, it's just like it's constantly flowing I, th- I think one thing right off the bat is that don't get me wrong there's deer up there but deer hunting is tough up there mm-hmm. it's really tricky to find deer and don't there's days that you will sit all day and even with some walking around mixed in there too and you don't see a single deer and for me I think it was kind of the thing that I was getting sick of it and we were also typically going in the same general direction. Mm. I believe from the time that I was 12 years old to that 15, 16, 17-year-old mark when Dad was starting to kind of let the reins go and let let me go wherever I wanted, I was still going in that general area because that's the area I knew. Mm-hmm. But year after year, I was disappointed in the deer numbers that I was seeing. Yeah, And so it was kind of that, well, look how big these woods are up here. Why am I still hunting this same piece of area right oh year after year and getting disappointed over and over again staring at my shoelaces walking back to the truck so i it just it kind of dawned on me i ended up started using some more mapping software as well and just really starting to understand from a further out from a bird's eye view what area we have around there see where the roads are see where the really hard to access points are that's where i want to go Thankfully, we are in the position and the health that we're in, the age that we're at, that we can put on miles. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's now what I try to do as much as I can. Starting with the maps that you mentioned, especially since this past fall when we really seem to go on little adventures ourselves into new areas, one of the, I think the most used apps on my phone is Onyx. Mm-hmm. And not because I'm looking at anything short-term, if I have nothing else to do, I'm just looking at the area around the Oh, camp. yeah. Because I think if you if you tap on one side of the camp and the other side of the camp, it's somewhere around 180,000 to 200,000 acres. Now, granted, I'm never going to hunt all that in my lifetime, but I'm right. curious. And 
we from man i think the first time i actually hunted anything different other than rifle deer up there was just in 2021 that was the first time i got up there got the bow out because i didn't really start bow hunting until after college mm. and where i hunted that first year was close to camp because that's where i put the camera i didn't yeah. put the camera too far out because i didn't have a cell camera and i wouldn't be able to check it whenever i went up and we got buck on the camera too <laughs> so for me it was go up try to archery hunt in that area it was decent for archery it's yeah. i still think it's decent Absolutely. for archery in that spot well it's not that bad for rifle i mean you guys killed deer in that general vicinity too right mm -hmm. yeah and yeah. well I, and i have where where dad used to like to take us and still even likes to hunt his his two different spots i killed a buck in one of the spots when i was 18 right with rifle so i'm i'm gonna probably view that spot historically more fondly than you do and at some point in time we're probably gonna go back in there and hunt and i just from looking at where I look at, I already have two other places in mind that I really want to put some boot leather down in to use Mitch's quote and check out. But I am also much more pleased as we've gotten older and gotten together and gotten not just you, me, and Isaac, but other guys that were venturing out into other species. This is mm -hmm. the first time we actually put together a turkey camp with all of us there. I know you went out for turkey before. Mm. This past fall is the first time our camp hosted a bear camp that actually went out in the woods, I guess you can say, because I know they had a few. <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. they had a few uh, extracurricular bear camps. But this past <laughs> fall is the first time we went out and actually right. all went out in the woods and were more organized that way. And I'm just more enthusiastic with that in general. So, Yeah, the camp camaraderie thing's big for that, too. Speaking for right. the evolution, I, I ventured definitely way more into archery and definitely into more species. I mean, in 2021, we went up with Dad and we're going for – grouse as well we, right. we were yeah that's right that i forgot about thing. that and I, that was the first time i hunted in that area so i don't know if that fully answered your question no, but it, it absolutely answers my question because like I, I i've said this before on this show and i say it again like i am definitely a bit narrow-minded and block-headed when it comes to my hunting like i am all about whitetails like that's my thing and like going to camp with an, a changed expectation or going with a group of people or going for a different species and broadening your horizons. I never, I always looked at that as I'm wasting my time. I could be doing something for deer hunting. Right. And I don't look at it that way anymore. I look at it as every time I'm going in the woods, I learned something for deer hunting or I, or, or I formulate a thought that I wouldn't have had because I did something out of the ordinary and I experienced something that might prompt me to think, I ought to try this for deer hunting. So I'm, you know, you talked about, about grouse. Mm -hmm. I've never killed a grouse in Pennsylvania. Never. I actually, actually, I, I, I lied. I shot one with a bow one time and I didn't get it. Uh. That, that irks me. But no, I've never killed a grouse. And, like, like, I used to always think, well, maybe I'll go in that late season, you know, after deer season, after Christmas. And then about the time I would have thought to do that, you know, we've we've since closed that season. We don't have it anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, grouse there for a while. Like, I, I was hard-pressed when I was deer and bear hunting upstate to, to see grouse. Now I'm starting to see some again, some of the places I go. I even heard grouse drumming when I was turkey hunting up there at your camp this yeah, week. When we were up for the work we went weekend, we were painting <clears> in the morning. And there was a grouse drum and probably only yeah. 40 yards back behind yeah, the camp. Yeah, had one right behind camp. Yeah, so, I mean, stuff like that. Like, I'm, I'm, I've, I, I, and one thing I have to, to say is since I've done this show, 
and I've forced myself to get outside of my comfort zone from uh from from like the contents so to speak and you know talking about things outside of what I normally do and getting to interact with people that enjoy outdoors and creation outside of just deer hunting um it's forcing me to get outside of my comfort zone in the great outdoors and I think number one that challenge I feel is slowly making me a better hunter. One thing too is I'm really, and I've been really, you know, stressing this on the show is like, I'm trying to make sure I continue to balance my priorities in life mm-hmm. next to hunting, you know, cause you guys know, I mean, hunting is something very important to me, but nothing is more important than, than God, family, friends. And mm-hmm. so, so like this, this has made that, open like i guess the more well-rounded i'm thinking of making my hunting experience the better my deer hunting experience has been i don't know if that makes sense or not no it, it does make sense and, and it goes sideways a little bit off of that but how i've approached it since i've been up in the cabin is i will by technicality be hunting one species when i'm out there hunting most of the time other than some of the fun little overlap that yeah. we get but mentally i'm hunting all three of the main big game animals that we can hunt. Yeah. I don't know how common that is or if that almost makes me a hunting nerd, but I'm constantly looking to see if there's a whole lot of laurel or rhododendron in an area, even if I'm deer hunting, just thinking that that might be a spot to check for bear. Or when I go through pines, I'm always keeping my eyes out for turkeys, even if I'm out there with my bow for deer. So taking it one step further with kind of what you said earlier in, in that portion is just what you learn when you're out there and what, wow. and also what you focus on when you're out there. And then like what you said, what we're about to experience this coming up <coughs> this weekend, maybe not Josh as much, but it, I do feel it this weekend in regard to the balance of God, family, friends, and responsibilities outside of that even because like I needed to set up a sitter this weekend with the two kids to take yeah. the wife and I to go up. So that's one other thing. Yeah, so that's what you guys are hinting at. You guys are taking the, the, the wife and the, the girlfriend out hunting this weekend. That's right. So that'll be a whole new experience. I can tell you right now, hats off to those ladies because my wife did hunt with me when we were younger, but there was no way that she would have hiked the places that you guys I know are going to go. So I don't hat, know if my wife knows those... what we're about to do to her. <laughs> but some, some Some hard terrain, huh? I mean, it definitely is. I mean, it's it's mountains, it's long term. I didn't run into anything that was like impenetrable as far as thick cover and stuff like that. But I mean, just long, vast terrain. Yeah, like most places up there, the only spots it's really thick and you can't get through is really old clear cuts. Yeah, and stuff yeah, right, eight right. years old or something like that. But yeah, no, this has been fun. I wish you guys uh, wish you guys the best of luck. I'm anxious to. To hear yeah. some, uh, ho- hopefully some success, hopefully some some re... Uh, Do you have a second tag, Mitch? I did get a second tag. So I never, ever bought the second tag. One time, I was in high school. I think it was like right after I was, you know, feeling real cocky and I shot a couple birds when I was young. Mm-hmm. Like, And they started that second tag business. I think they started that, one, you know, since I'm hunting. Uh, I'm going to get the second tag. And that year I bought the second tag. I didn't shoot a single turkey, and everybody made fun of me. So I never bought it again. <laughs> and for whatever reason, I, I, honestly, I think it was because here recently I've been talking to friends. I had, you know, Jason 
um, and and Mark. You know, I had those guys. You know, you know, Mark we had on for bear hunting, but I was talking to those guys about turkey hunting and. You know, the, just the people I was interacting with me had me jacked up. I was more jacked to go turkey hunting this spring than I have in a few years. And I don't know why. I just was. So for whatever reason, but between all that conversing with people and I, I was going out and listening to birds and I had multiple areas and properties that had birds on them, I just thought, I'm getting a second tag. I don't care if I don't shoot a single bird. I'm getting that second tag because if I kill one early, I want an opportunity to go again. And for once, I was like, wow, that was actually kind of smart, Mitchell. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I wanted to say one thing I thought of earlier, that when you told me your hunting, your turkey hunting story, right when you got back to camp, you said something that really resonated with me. And this is for any anybody listening who's a an archery hunter, I think it relates in that way as well. You said there was a point where you called one time, and he fired back right away, and now he was closer and you said, oh, this is going to happen. And I love that you said that because I felt that way archery hunting so much. Mm. There's that magical point where all of a sudden you're hunt. You can see the deer. He's 70 yards away mingling around doing what he wants or the turkey, same thing. But all of a sudden he does something. And there's a certain time in that hunt where all of a sudden you say to yourself, oh, my gosh, this is going to happen. Mm. And I love that is one of my favorite feelings when I'm out hunting. Oh, it's a great feeling. But you know what? You know to add to that that's a feeling that you only get with enough experience and i think one of the True. things i struggled with from an early age and you know what i still struggle to this day i get i'll be the first to admit it i i'm i'm i've got buck fever sometimes and i think what you were saying about that moment like this is going to happen that moment like when i said that i right away went into kill mode mm-hmm I went from <clears throat> calling, working this bird, to now I'm going to kill you. And, like, I think mentally, I don't know, I'm speaking for myself here, I need to have that because it's a focus thing in order to make this happen. It's not as much for a gun for me. Like, guns, like, I just feel like I've been shooting guns right. for so long and there's, there's so much margin of error with guns. I mean, I've been fortunate. I've, I, I don't... I don't think I'm exaggerating or lying to say I don't think I've ever wounded anything with a firearm. I've been very, very blessed and, and, and lucky to have that. But on the archery hunting end of things. That's why I said specifically going archery. In, going yeah. into kill mode, like, it, it's it's a new, fine-tuned um, level of focus. And I think when I was inexperienced and would get really, really excited... I wouldn't, I, w- I wouldn't finish. And I had too many mistakes, misses, wounds, stuff like that. So, you know, to, you know just to, t- to, to cater off of what you're saying there, like that, that's important for two reasons. Number one, it's a, it's a good feeling. It's a great feeling. When, 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 when a bird closed the gap about seven, I'm just going to say 60, 70 yards or whatever. And, he was gobbling that hard and I'm like this is going to happen that's like a smile heart pumping out of your chest moment but from a you know from a next step standpoint and going into kill mode as I would call it like I, that's to me is important and and I think a lot of hunters really experienced hunters probably don't even talk about that because it's so right. natural right but you know people that 
like myself, I'm, I'm still, you know, you know, I've been hunting a long time, but at the same time, I'm young and I still make a lot of mistakes. Um, I, I think that's something you have to concentrate on. Some people are more natural than others. And I, I think I fall somewhere in, in between, but yeah, you know, mentally preparing for that next step and not screwing it up. <laughs> right. And I like the word focus. It's a, it's not that it's when I say that and it's the realization of, Oh, I'm going to have a chance here. This is going to happen. It's not a, it's not a giddy feeling. Don't confuse the feeling with an over excitement of joy. Mm-hmm. It's a focus. Oh, it's yeah. almost, it's like a predator like feeling. Oh almost. yeah. It's an instinct. Yeah. I, right. That's why the, like the few people that have been anti hunters or not like really fond of hunting, but gave it a chance and then realize that instinctual thing that's within you to like pursue, kill and eat. Like it's, it's no wonder people get like hooked on it. Then oh, like yeah. they understand it. They see the other half. Let me the, tell you, I'm hooked. Yeah, you Boy, better believe it. I'm speaking hooked. of eating that turkey we had a years before we started. <laughs> oh, yeah, before we one. started, Ooh. man. That, so oh, that was yeah. good. I got I to gotta bring that one up, too. Um, so I took the breasts and sliced them laterally to kind of make like a butterfly opening. Then I uh, – oh, before I did that, they marinated in Italian dressing. And then uh, did that butterfly slice like a pocket of the breast, and I put some pesto in there. And then I sprinkled some grated Parmesan cheese, or actually shredded Parmesan cheese, not grated. Uh, put some of that in there and then closed it and then wrapped that baby in bacon. And I had it on the smoker for about uh, about three hours until I pulled that off around 165 and then put it in the, the oven and broiled the, the bacon just to crisp it up a little bit and let that baby sit. And Man, that was pretty good. Yeah, might have never told you, listeners, that he's a five-star chef too. I'm not a five-star chef, <laughs> but I, I, I can. Uh, I'm overweight. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, we, there's no leftovers for tonight. No, so, <laughs> no, that sucker's gone. No, I want to add one final thing that I learned since this is the turkey BS session. This past fall, when I was deer hunting, the sun came out. I got to my tree probably 20 minutes before daylight. Sun comes up. There's turkeys roosted above me. I didn't know that because I found out they're roosted above me by them pooping on me. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. The sun comes up, and I guess turkeys go to the bathroom. So I, I thought I actually found the one oak tree up there in that in that maple birch forest. But, no, fun little fact there. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to have that happen to me again. I hope not. But. Oh, you'd be, you'd be surprised. I've had, uh, I've had similar instances with turkeys, especially archery hunting. Get up in the tree, and then, oh, there's, there's a bird, right? Like, right there. And then, and then, like, I, I do that. Like, I climb up in my tree stand, and there'll be a bird really, really close to me and doesn't know I'm there. And I'm thinking, you know how many times I have snuck under a tree in the dark in the springtime, and they, they, they flew out of the tree? Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I've chased birds out in dark. And I'm like, I understand, you know, maybe I was noisy. You know, did I use a flashlight? Did I not? Was there something that might have chased that bird? But, like, that's... In the springtime, like you think, I got in plenty early enough. They have no idea I'm here, and walk under a bird, and they're gone. And then, then in the fall, in archery season, I climb up in a tree, and I'm 20 yards or more. I'm like, really? When you've roosted them the night before, or walking into somewhere blind? Walking into somewhere blind, okay. like getting okay. into an area, like thinking, yeah, this is the area I want to be. I know they yeah. roost in this general area, so I'm gonna slip up here in the dark and get in that spot. And walking in, <laughs> like, really? Like, I've already had it at the, the one private land piece that I have. Like, every yep. now and then, the roads that we 
we'll go to to access. I mean, it's the quietest, most direct roads, right? And we'll go in and uh, I'll sit on I'll sit on blinds, especially when I when I was hunting with the bow, I'd sit in a blind that was already set up. And I can't tell you how many times I've like there, like I can just see the blind. I'm within I don't know sixty yards, and away they go. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like I was so close, and you, you busted them out. But I mean, I've I've had that happen and work in my advantage too. I've already I've already worked um worked one where I chased a bird out of the tree, got in, and bird started gobbling. Well, I didn't <coughs> know it until after I worked the turkey. Right here, I chased the hen out of the tree, and she mm. was gone, and he he had He's no idea. Low. So then I started calling, and he came in. So it was like you, you run into those dumb situations. Yeah. I learned that too the the hard way. Uh, up at camp, we were we used to walk railroad beds, and we'd go um, just walk and call, walk and call on these railroad beds. And I'll never forget right at right as it was breaking day, got to this little opening on this railroad bed, and a turkey flushed out of the tree. And I was young, I didn't know any better. And I just thought, well, yeah, well, let's just go find another one. So we keep going back, and it was kind of a dreary morning. It wasn't as bad as Saturday, but it was similar to that. And uh, we went out out the back, and the I forget who I was hunting with at the time, but they kind of had enough of it, and said, let's go back. And we, we head back. might have been an hour to an hour and a half after we chased that bird out of the tree, which we knew was a hen. We saw her. Right. Confident it was a hen. We get within 50 yards of where we flushed that hen out. This is an hour later. It's probably 7.30, 8 o'clock. And a turkey flies out of the tree about 50 yards from that spot. It was a gobbler. He stayed in the tree. We walked under him. Hmm. We never wow. heard him gobble, but he flew out. And uh, I told, uh, I, I told my uncle this. I, I told him this story, and uh, you know, he being way more experienced than I, and I told him this. He said, "Oh yeah," he said that happened to me already. He said, "But we killed him." He said, "We set up mm. on it and called him in and, and did it." So I, I kind of learned from my mistake, and then I actually applied it like a few years after that. Well, that's interesting. You say that because. I had a great gobbler encounter in the morning, but then throughout the rest of my hunt during the day, during the morning, I saw five different hens all by themselves. Mm. I, I flushed two or three within feet of me, and they ran. They never flew. I flew, or I flushed one out of the roost. I'd say around 10.30, she was still up in the tree. Yeah. And each time I'd see one of those hens, it happened five different times, like I said, I called. Never heard anything, yeah. but it's interesting you say that, that. You can go right under them. You can walk right by them. Well, that's just it. The the fa- fact of the matter is, um, there are no rules. I mean, like right. they, they never follow a script by right. any means. But I mean, um, yeah. I mean, I I personally I I like. I've heard so many people say this, and I've had I think enough experiences that I I feel comfortable saying this, and I don't I don't just sound like somebody repeating this, but like later mornings for turkey hunting. I love. Yep. If you can find one that left the hens and is looking for one, because like mm-hmm. when I when I heard that bird at eleven o'clock, I thought, you know, <coughs> unless he's got hens with him, he's in a spot that's workable, and he might be pretty receptive. Well, sure enough, it was ten minutes and I killed him. Yeah. Ten fifteen yeah. minutes or whatever it was. So I mean, sometimes you get into those situations, and then you know the times you get into those situations where. Yeah, like you, they had hens with them. They're gobbling, they're carrying on. It's as exciting, it's as exciting, but you can't work them. 
Right. You, you're, or, you, you know, you had a terrain thing happening to you. But I, I think that's just why it's fun because there's, there's no rules. There's no, I mean, they defy everything you know. But, I mean, you get into some general rules of thumb and you roll with it and you learn something every time right. you go. And I, I remember asking you before we went out, the, the night before we went out hunting, I asked, how do they, how do they act in the rain? Because, I, I, I mean, I don't know that I had ever... Yeah, I don't believe I ever turkey hunted in the rain before, oh, okay. so I wasn't sure. But I tell you what, based off of friends, coworkers, and social media from this opening weekend, they were vocal all over the state. Yeah, I mean, birds were shot this weekend from there, what I there saw. Were, there was a lot. Of, <laughs> I have a lot of friends that killed birds, and uh, you know, the, the I've hunted birds that were it was rainy and miserable. I didn't hear them gobble a single time. Yeah, I've seen them in the trees till nine, ten o'clock, and then they fly down. And then I've had days where it was rainy and miserable, and from the time they woke up till I was done hunting, they were gobbling. So it's, yeah, I don't know. Stupid birds. <laughs> it's tough, but that's why we do it. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. Keeps absolutely. me going back out. All right. Well, hey, let's uh, let's wrap this up. So thanks for uh, thanks for BSing our our story. Oh yeah. I was really really enjoyed uh, picking your brain on your turkey hunting and, and your just your camp experiences. And I'm really looking forward to uh, looking forward to you guys uh, coming back and hopefully telling me some more turkey hunting stories from this this upcoming weekend. So best of luck to you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Best yeah. of luck with your second tag. Yeah, I'm gonna need it. 